Rob Port here on 970 WDY. I had myself turned down a little bit there, Natil. I was worried. I was like, oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh-oh. Adjust all the things. No, I uh, I had myself turned down. That's my fault. Uh, this is the Rob Report on 970 WDAY. 701-293-9000 is your call-in number. 888-970-9329 because it's Wednesday. Later in the program, we'll have Congressman Kevin Kramer on. Uh, taking your questions. I have, a, I have a feeling a lot of people may have questions about this net neutrality thing. I mean, it's it's everywhere on the Internet today. Uh, it's on Spotify. It's on Reddit. It's it's all over the place. I mean, if you're using those services, you're seeing the messages. And, uh, you know, they're they're talking about this. Net. And it seems like this flares up every, you know, six months or so when everybody gets wrapped around the axle about it. And yeah, really what, what it is is it's it's the content people – versus the infrastructure people right it's it's the isps versus all the people who have content you know google uh spotify and everything because obviously you can't stream music you can't watch youtube you can't do anything on the internet without your internet service provider right whether it's you know verizon through your cell phone or something like that or you know like mid-continent through your through your home wi-fi i mean that's that's the gatekeeper and so right now what the fec is looking at getting rid of is a rule that would that prohibits isps from you know sort of having tiered levels of access right i i I guess and 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 what you know basically they're sort of locked into you know the only the only thing they could sell is basically one one speed internet and and so you know the isps maybe want to try to get a little more creative in some of their pricing uh the content people are afraid that what they're going to do is the isp is going to say 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 one isp forms a partnership with pandora which is a music streaming service but not spotify and so the isp would make access to pandora fast but maybe meter or or restrict access to Spotify, which you know obviously to promote Pandora over Spotify. Um, you know the, the content providers are are worried about that, um, and I don't I don't really quite understand why entirely because it seems to me like this is something the market can work out. These are services that people want to use. They're going to expect that their ISP allow them to access that that stuff now pricing models may change or whatever but i i feel like things like pricing models or whatever are are things that the free market ought to be allowed to experiment with um you know it's not always stuff that people like but you know what price is a big part of how services are delivered and the people who provide services ought to be able to adjust their prices or come up with different pricing schemes or whatever not only to to maximize their own profits but also to, to be able to effectively provide services to the public at large when the government steps in you know and the best example of this is you know like socialist or communist regimes everywhere from uh you know the soviet union to like venezuela today where the government just steps in and says well we're just going to dictate what's fair and when the government starts doing that what you end up with is essentially shortages you end up with stagnant markets you end up with less innovation uh, you know 
you end up with, 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 with poor quality overall. But anyway, we'll talk with Congressman Kramer about that. Plus, whatever you want to ask him, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Do you follow the net neutrality debate at all, Natil? I, I know you're I you know, do, online gamer closely. and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I follow it quite closely. And I, I, have a, I have a feeling you have a different point of view than I do. <laughs> I do, actually. Okay. Well, make the counter argument then. It's a it's a big deal for one very basic reason, and that is it is potentially restricting consumer access to information based on business decisions by a single company. The, the fact of the matter is that right now in large swaths of America, there aren't choices for your Internet service provider. There's one available. Right. And you can only pick that one or you choose to one not have couple, access yeah. to the Internet at all. And if that Internet service provider in rural Ohio decides that they're going to partner with Yahoo and not Google, then suddenly you have the potential for anything that's Google related to be slowed down, which includes things like YouTube and right. um, the Google search engines and things like that where they're promoting Yahoo's content instead. And right. that creates issues finding certain sure. information outlets. It creates issues in accessing the content that the consumer wants to access. And the consumer can't do anything about it. There's nothing that consumer can do about it because their only choice is to keep purchasing Internet from that ISP because they don't have another choice. There is no other market But isn't choice. the solution then more competition? Because a lot of the problem is is the ISPs are all, they're all basic, they're cable companies or, or telephone companies, basically. I mean, for the most part, that's that's what they are, right? I mean, that's where they started, and, and they internet services are something that they added to their, their traditional services, and now, now they're internet service providers, and so... I mean, to me, the problem is is that a lot of these companies are, are regulated under, you know, essentially sort of giving them regional monopolies in, in, in a lot of ways. I mean, right, it's, it's a heavily – so to me, the answer to, to the problem that you're talking about is not to impose on ISPs restrictions on how they can price or how they can, they can run their services, but rather to increase the amount of competition among Internet service providers. Right, but until we have a way that that competition actually gets increased, we can't put the consumers at risk and the consumers' access to the information that the Internet is meant to provide at risk. Well, we could ask the congressman about it, but I... I think I think we ought to do both. I, I think we ought to have we ought to get rid of the net neutrality rules, and then on the other hand, also get rid of any regulations that are standing in in the way of increased competition for for among ISPs so that ISPs could start up and uh, and get going. And 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 frankly, if if you ran into a situation where one ISP was starting to to do some of this stuff. It would just increase the need for it would increase the the market for competitors to enter that market. I, I think there's a better way to do this than the net neutrality rules, but that's just my two cents. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday.com. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away.
Welcome back. Rob Report here on 970 WDAY, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. You know, yesterday we were talking about this issue with uh, Donald Trump Jr. and, and his email and, and meeting with a, with a, uh, a lawyer, I guess, that's, that has some level of connection to Russia. And, and anyway, the, the meeting pitched to him on the idea that it was he was going to receive negative information about Hillary Clinton uh, during the campaign from uh, essentially sourced to the Russian government, which I mean, there's to me, I mean, that what a colossally stupid thing to do to take that meeting. And by the way, I, I saw somebody speculating today that that was a setup to, to blackmail him. Right. It was it was a setup essentially to, to 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 just put him in a bad spot that he could turn around and be blackmailed on. And I think that makes a lot of sense because ultimately it doesn't sound like he got any good information. I think it was just about creating the connection that could then in turn be used as as leverage. Uh, against him um so anyway terrible decision but because it's politics one bad situation begets others this from the hill.com comment and, and, and by the way this is now being turned into a way to attack free political speech this is from the hill.com common cause a nonpartisan nonprofit watchdog group has filed a complaint with the Federal Elections Commission, the FEC, and the Department of Justice, claiming that Donald Trump Jr. unlawfully solicited a campaign donation from a foreign national. Uh, the, the complaint is in reference to the opposition research on Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton that Trump Jr. was reportedly promised by a Russian lawyer, according to a Weekend New York Times report. Uh, these laws exist to safeguard U.S. national security, and Donald Trump Jr. appears to have violated the law in order to obtain information helpful to his father's campaign for the presidency, Common Cause President uh, Karen Hobart Flynn uh, said in a in a statement. Um, so essentially, what they're arguing here, and and Atil, tell me if this makes sense. What they're arguing is that the information that Donald Trump Jr. was to have received from this lawyer, and again, I I don't know that it's it's clear that he really ever received anything of of value, but. What they're saying is that this donation was a sort of in kind. It, it was a sort of in kind donation. This them giving him this information was a sort of in kind donation, and that's illegal because U.S. politicians are not allowed to get funds from foreign nationals. So what they're saying is they broke campaign laws by soliciting a donation from a foreign source. But to me, I'm thinking because okay, well now we're talking about information is now. A donation I think that has First Amendment implications right because how long until say it's a blogger working on the internet that posts negative information about a candidate's opponent is that now an in-kind donation to that candidate if I write a blog post that's supportive of one candidate over another is that now an in-kind donation I mean, I, I think I think that's I mean, listen, I'm not defending what Donald Trump Jr. did, but I think this particular line of attack on it, trying to make it illegal because all of a sudden we're, we're now classifying information as an in-kind donation seems frankly dangerous. I mean, if the FEC signs up for this, that has big First Amendment implications. Yeah, I'm not really sure I like the idea of uh, speech, in this case, information as currency. Right. I mean, I, I get it. It would be different if Donald Trump Jr. was like, hey, 
uh, you lawyer, you should have the researchers at your law firm compile a report for us about Hillary Clinton. Well, okay. Well, now, now that's a service, and now that has value, right? And so I could see where that could be considered an in-kind donation because he requested, do this service for me, right? But on on the other hand, I, I mean, if, 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 if you walk up to a candidate and say, hey, I have information about your opponent, that's now an in-kind donation? That seems ridiculous. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Karen emails, what are you smoking? Paul Manafort and Jared Kushner were stupid enough also to accidentally take a meeting where they could be blackmailed. Seriously, you are really reaching. Well, yeah, all three of them are kind of stupid. I mean, Donald Trump Jr. is stupid. Um, Jared Kushner, Paul Manafort, who is a political professional, out of the three of them, should have known better. They all should have known better. I'm not letting any of them off the hook. Uh, Dwayne emails, uh, blackmail theory is interesting, but only makes sense if it was used before the election. Well, not necessarily, because it's coming up now. They won the election. And, uh, you know, obviously this was out there. And there, there's some interesting stuff. Like, like, how did this end up at the New York Times? Because, you know, there's there's stuff from the New York, New York, uh, New York Times reporting today that it was Jared Kushner's law firm or lawyers that ran onto the emails in the first place. So is this is this even Trump's enemies doing this, or is this all just from within the Trump administration? I mean, I don't know. It's it's such a it's such a mess. It's a, anywhere you look, it's a mess. I mean, at this point, Donald Trump's got to be sitting in the White House wondering who do I trust? Who do I trust? Taking the meeting was was stupid. It's indefensible. Uh, you know, Jared Kushner, Paul Manafort, Donald Trump Jr. They're all on the hook for that. I don't know that it was illegal. I think that trying to suggest that they somehow broke campaign laws by meeting with somebody who said that they had information about an opponent is ridiculous, but the meeting itself, not defensible. Congressman Kevin Kramer, maybe he'll have something to say about this too. Congressman Kevin Kramer is going to be on for our weekly open phone segment. You can call in and ask whatever you want, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday.com. Because it's Wednesday, we have Congressman Kevin Kramer on with us for an open phone segment. Congressman, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, this net neutrality thing is blowing up again. It's all over the Internet. I'm sure people are they're seeing the banner ads. They're seeing the notices yeah. on their favorite Internet services. Describe what, what's going on. Sure. So what's going on today and why they're seeing so many ads is because George Soros is funding a huge campaign, uh, calling this a day of action. And a lot of his friends at you know Amazon and Google and a lot, a lot of the users or if you will the uh, the riders on the internet, um, they are participating in this little campaign. And I think it's important to understand that George Soros' mission, of course, is to defeat Republicans. That's not necessarily the mission of the others that are participating. But net net neutrality or network neutrality is a term that has come to mean something very different than it sounds like. And net neutrality was uh, uh, one of the rules that the Obama administration passed uh, in 2015 out of the FCC. 
that basically, well, not basically, what it did is it put the Internet underneath the jurisdiction of the FCC under what's called Title II regulatory regime. Title II, the Title II regulatory regime was created in 1934 to regulate Ma Bell, when Ma Bell had a monopoly on telephone. And, of course, that wasn't busted up till 1996. And it, it means that the FCC can set rates. It means that they can regulate content. It means that they can, um, you know, they can, they can do basically anything that they want. And we are, the Obama administration is rolling that back, of course. We as, as a Congress are doing the same. But it's important to understand that the principles of, of an open Internet uh, are things that we all universally support, a free and open Internet. By that, I mean, uh, you know, no discrimination of pricing, no um, what's called throttling, that is, say, pushing certain content for an Internet service provider to push some content over another other content. Um, blocking, so blocking legal access or access to legal uh, Internet um, content. And, in fact, we've even introduced and passed legislation to, to codify those things in law, what we don't want as Republicans is for the FCC or the federal government to have monopoly-style regulatory oversight of the Internet because the Internet's not a monopoly. And, in fact, just since the rule was put in place in 2015, we've seen, just as we predicted would happen, we've seen, we've seen a drop in investment in the Internet. Um, we've seen it go more toward uh, a European-style Internet where there's, there's less innovation. There's, uh, like, say... Uh, a lot less investment, a lot more uncertainty. And so uh, we want to have a wide-open free Internet, but, but we also want it to be free of government um, regulation and manipulation, especially the Title II-style monopoly regulation. Kevin, Natil's passionate about this issue. She had a question for you about it. Sure. Congressman, I understand that in a lot of places, the removal of the net neutrality rules wouldn't necessarily affect many consumers because they have multiple mm-hmm. choices for ISPs. But in places like rural North Dakota, consumers don't have that option. And so I'm just wondering if these rules do go away, what you are going to do for your constituents in rural North Dakota to ensure that they don't see the monopoly that they exist under exert some amount of control over the content that they can access and the speed at which they can access it. Sure. So a couple of things. Great question, because you're right. There are places where there might literally be a monopoly, although I would tell you there are fewer and fewer all the time because of the, the, the uh, implementation of, of wireless broadband, uh, you know, the wireless companies, for example, the, the cable companies, um, you know, the, certainly your phone companies. So, so even in most rural communities in North Dakota, there are choices. That said, there, none of the problems that, that this net neutrality supposedly seeks to fix have occurred anywhere. They're all, they're all simply hypothetical uh, challenges and uh, problems, and the reason for that is, of course, because the internet has been so wide open and free, it has it has thrived uh, apart from government great government oversight. So, but to your point, to ensure that certain things don't happen, like throttling, like like blocking, we have legislation to codify in law, um, you know, that, that that can't be done. That, that you that you can't do that. In addition to that, and this might um, rankle some of the the uh, you know. Leadership at WDAY, some of the national broadcasters I know, I know are upset, but I'm the I'm a founding co-chair of the Rural Broadband Caucus, and I'm leading a letter right now to allow to set aside a certain portion, just three channels uh, of of spectrum that broadcasters currently have access to, and, and as part of the spectrum auction, that's the sort of the, the pipe in the sky, if you will, 
that the uh, taxpayers own. Now set that aside for it's, it, there's some white it's called white space, um, largely unlicensed spectrum, sort of low low level spectrum that would be made available to um, to local, especially rural internet service providers. And um, just because, the, obviously, the distribution of information today, even in the broadcast world, is changing dramatically. And I think the more we can make that, that spectrum or parts of it, at least, especially in rural America, more available. And by the way, in rural America, there's not a lot of congestion for that spectrum, so it even makes more sense. Um, but uh, the more we make that available, the more low-cost uh, options we can, we can provide for, uh, you know, for, local, uh, for local citizens. 701-293-9000 if you want to get a question in for Congressman Kevin Kramer. 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Master Sergeant Eric Martz up next with a question for the Congressman. Go ahead. Oh, awesome. Oh, I want to say thank you, Rob, and the Congressman for this chance to for the interaction. Uh, Congressman Kramer, uh, my question is concerning the Patriot Express loan and the Veterans Advantage loan, both from the small uh, business administration. The prior administration had let those programs expire way back in 2013. They were highly successful, and only a certain amount of troops got a chance to access those, and especially for those uh, soldiers that are missing arms and legs who want to be back in society somehow, but obviously they'll face uh, challenges at work, and one of the ways that they can manage what they can and cannot do is owning their own business. Now that we have an administration who is extremely um, business orientated and wants to get the economy going, and also has a great love for veterans, can we yes. get that started again? Because I think it's okay. so important. Yeah, thanks, Eric, for the question and for raising the issue. Um, let me look into it. I can tell you that uh, we are right now very, very busy. In fact, this week we're going to pass the uh, National Defense Authorization Act on Friday. Um, with regard to Mil- Milcon VA, our appropriators have been very busy passing uh, Milcon VA out. We haven't seen it on the floor yet. But uh, let me look at it and see if those things have been reinstated uh, in the Milcon VA uh, appropriations bill. If not, uh, let me see what I can do about it. But you're right. Helping, as you know, Eric, I mean, helping helping our veterans when they come back, assimilate back into society, you know, it's not a, just simply a matter of giving them a discharge. It's a, it's a matter of giving them the tools to be successful. Absolutely. And um, anyway, we love to hear you on the weekend, too. There's a lot of veterans that like to talk with you. Yeah, absolutely. Love to do it. All right. That's uh yeah, thank you. Thanks for the question. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, Kevin, on, on the health care front, that's still on a lot of people's minds. The Senate's saying they're going to delay their August recess until the third week of August. The House not doing the same, but that's pretty much because the, the health care uh, issue is uh, that ball's in the Senate's courts right now. Uh, I think Speaker mm-hmm. Ryan's saying that the House would come back into session if need be if the Senate manages to pass a bill. Uh, I mean, where, where are things? Can you give us an update on yeah. where things are at? Sure, and I, I can't speak real directly to where the Senate is exactly, except to tell you that it seems like there is some momentum. And while it looks like there are a lot of factions, because there are, it's a, it's a, it's a fractionated process. It's a, a very open process. You know, Lindsey Graham has his own bill, uh, as you know. Um, you know, Senate, Senators uh, Lee and 
and crews have uh, a bill or at least some amendments that, that make some sense and are worth exploring. I know that Rand Paul has a bill. Uh, bill Cassidy, Dr. Cassidy and Susan Collins have a bill. I, I do think that while it looks very fractionated, there is there is consensus being built, and, and certainly the additional time will help that. And um, But you're right. The House has done its work. We're simply waiting for the Senate, although we'd like the Senate to come up with a bill that would be you know, relatively easy for us to pass without a whole bunch more um, you know, a whole bunch more negotiation and amendments. The, the speaker, I should say, the majority leader this morning did put us on notice, as, as you alluded to, that if the Senate, you know, gets their work done, wh- whenever it happens, whether it happens, you know, before August or sometime in the first week or two of August, um, they've given us 72 hours notice <laughs> that they that they promised at least 72 hours notice before we'd be called back, which is fine with me. I'm not going on any international. Um, delegations. That one of the problems with August is that there are a lot of uh, international congressional delegations. And that is to say, delegations that travel overseas. And so, the 72 hours is probably appropriate. Although I, I just assume come back within 24. Do you? Uh, I mean, what sort of things do the Senate need to avoid, or, or what sort of things do they need to do to make passage in the House easy? Right? Because I mean, the the, the Senate yeah. passing something's not the finish line. Then the House has to pass it as well. No, that's right. That's right. And one thing about it, at least the House has had its brawl, so to speak. You know, we had the long markup, the 27-hour overnight markup that I participated in. We've had the, the negotiation and the amendments from the various factions. We have a good sense of, of where consensus is in the House. I think what the Senate has to do, it's interesting about the Senate bill, frankly. You know, they said, well, we're going to do our own bill because, of course, ours was too mean. And then they, they did their own bill that looked a lot like ours, except that in some respects, um, depending on how you describe me, it was a, a much deeper cut, for example, in Medicaid. It was a longer transition, and, and I shouldn't say cut. When, when, you know, swamps speak for cut. That, that, what that means is a slowing, slowing of growth. And um, so, so while there's transition for a longer period of time, uh, they had greater deficit savings in their initial bill than ours because they, their inflationary tool, for example, for Medicaid, traditional Medicaid, was CPI urban that's you know that's a um, consumer price index urban whereas ours was consumer price index medical plus one and cpi medical you know inflation like we talked before is, is a higher inflation rate than is uh, traditional inflation which is part of the problem right so uh, what they'd have to do i think you know i think they're on the right track um rob i, I think everybody over here is pretty open-minded but here's what i think the bottom line is the bottom line is we have to have votes on it because I, I think we, we can negotiate it, and this is why moving deadlines sometimes isn't really helpful, because what the, the most helpful thing is a deadline and forcing a vote, because a lot of Republicans have to be forced with the, the choice between, you know, irritating their base or, 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 or and, and facing the, the music of uh, the mainstream media, who's always going to paint this as, as mean-spirited, as are, of course, some of the providers and, and some of the other stakeholder groups. But um, this is a promise we made. This is a promise that we campaigned on. In the House case, we literally laid out the, the, the um, principles of, of our legislation during the campaign and uh, to go back on that promise of, of repealing and replacing Obamacare, at least to, to a great extent, would be, uh, I think, a fatal, a fatal flaw on our part. Well, Congressman, that's all the time we have for today. Certainly appreciate your time as always, and we'll talk with you next week. Good discussion. Thanks, Rob. It's Congressman Kevin Kramer. We'll wrap the show up right after this, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com if you want to get in. Don't go away.
Welcome back, Rob Report. Jay Thomas Show coming up next, so stay tuned for that. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Those are your call-in numbers. Email talk at WDAY.com. If you want to... Uh, well, Latino, what did you think of the congressman's answers on net neutrality? In some ways, I was heartened by them. Um, it's good to know that there are Republicans who value the free and open Internet as much as um, a lot of the liberals that I know do, especially because when net neutrality gets brought up in general, a lot of people see it as the only thing that's sort of protecting that free and open Internet. And it's good to get yeah. it out there that there there are other things out there that are protecting the Internet as the free and open exchange of information that we currently sure. know it as. Because the Internet is basically, you know, the next information, I guess not next, the current information exchange frontier. It is today's newspaper invention. And if... You know, back in the day when it's it's Gutenberg and the printing press. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And and right. when that was attempted to be regulated, people got upset about that. So this sure. is this is a similar cycle I, that we're going through. Yeah, you know, I I think what we got to do, I I think we got to take away some of this authority from the FCC and like just codify it in law because part of the problem we're having is it's like we're we're switching presidential administrations. And so it's like every every administration, and then we get new appointees to the FCC, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, now we're going to regulate the Internet differently. And I, I don't feel like that's very conducive to, to good regulation. I feel like Congress ought to just pass some laws, just some basic laws that say you can't, you can't, you know, if you're going to be an internet service provider, you can't just like start blocking legal content on the internet. You can't. You can't do a, a lot of the things that we don't want them to do. What Congressman Kramer said, just sort of no censorship stuff like that, right? Just just some basic principles. These are the things you're not. So, sort of a bill of rights, right? Pass like an internet bill of rights. Make it the law, not FCC policy, but the law, and then just leave it at that. And I'm on that. And then if we need to change the law going forward, we can, you know, pass a bill through Congress and the president could sign it rather than because it seems like we're flipping back and forth. And, you know, we have very different points of view and it's become such a political football. We, we got to pull it out of that realm, I, I think, and just give us pass a bill, take it away from the FCC. The, you know, this is what we're these are the things ISPs can't do. And then the rest of it, let the market decide, let them compete, let them let them do whatever. And I also think. We need to focus more on competition among the ISPs. We really do. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. I'm Rob Port. You can always catch me here Monday through Friday, 1 to 2 p.m. or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at SayAnythingBlog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Welcome to the story.